Listener Production. You are listening to episode 199 of the Howie Games, part B, the next chapter featuring Major League Pitcher, a man that closes out games for a living, Liam Hendricks. So, mate, you're diagnosed on January the 8th, remission in April 20, and then May 29 at the guaranteed rate field there in Chicago. <laughs> um, the home side versus the Angels. I've watched this a couple of times now, especially over the last 48 hours. I remember seeing it on Twitter and I saw a small clip of when you came out of the bullpen, but I've watched the full thing now. Describe the day, describe the moment, and describe the love for an Aussie bloke from Perth walking out on a baseball field in Chicago. A lot of excitement around the ballpark and around the club uh, today and having Liam Hendricks activated off the I.L., Liam's one of those special players that has the ability to connect with fans, even if they've never met him. This is bigger than baseball, right? This is about life, uh, what he's done and how he's done it has been remarkable. Uh, It's an inspiration to everybody on this club. It's an inspiration to everybody who follows the game and knows of Liam. Um, I'm just looking where I think we're all looking forward to seeing him on that that mound for the first time. Warming up in the Sox bullpen for the first time all year, Liam Hendricks. Yeah, it was... um... That was an extremely special day. Uh, not only being in the clubhouse again, being around everybody, but actually walking out and having my coffee with me, having my glove, having my cleats tied. and It's just the little things that ever... The only bit I didn't like was the uniforms because they're all black pants and I wear a little bit of baby powder and the black pants and the baby powder, they don't mesh well. But <laughs> <laughs> other than that, it was great. Um but, yeah, walking out, the, um, they had the Team Liam signs right behind the bullpen. And, the, and Chicago, I want to make sure, they, they did these closeout cancer shirts and we raised about 100 grand for the leukemia, Lymphoma Leukemia Society. Um, another company that we'd worked with in the past, they did a different, they did another shirt that raised about 60 grand for the Lymphoma Research Foundation. So there was a lot of different avenues of people rallying around me in the Chicago area. And oh, my wife and I. And, um, yeah, walking out, there was the Team Liam signs, and that was part of the Weish Foundation who had reached out that we've done some work with since. Um, yeah, so walking out, there was, um, yeah, there was the Team Liam signs. There was Nate who was right next to the thing that was holding up a sign that said, um, I just got diagnosed, I'm battling with you. Um, there was, and the cool, one of the coolest things is everybody in sports and everyone in advertising and media knows that advertising makes a ton of money for their broadcast. Yep. The Angels and the White Sox, neither of those teams cut away huh. from that. Like they didn't, they didn't throw their advertisers out there. They didn't play anything. There were snippets of me walking out to the bullpen the entire way. But the more important thing, when I ran into the game to come into that game, they had, they didn't go to break. They didn't go to commercial break. There was wow. no commercials. It was just me running onto the field the light show was playing like it was um, that was one of those really the little things that really hit home for me because they didn't have to do that. That wasn't expected. That was that was just above and beyond. And them both taking the time and and sacrificing money for that. That was uh, that was a really, really cool thing to, for them to both do. It's a couple of things I noticed, mate. I, I noticed and the commentators mentioned it, that the batter didn't yeah. uh, come into the box for the first period of time. Standing off to the side, allowing Liam to get all the accolades he richly deserves. 
explain that to me. That, that, that started to get to me when they were talking about that. Yeah, so this is the first year we've had a pitch clock. And the pitch clock was meant to just baseball games would be getting too long. They wanted to throw a pitch clock in there to kind of rein it in and keep it right around that three-hour mark or below the three-hour mark. So that way it wasn't kind of um, – you weren't running into different programming and stuff on TV. So they added that in and there had been a lot of guys getting kind of charged. And if you – if as a pitcher you took too long, they'd call an automatic ball. And if the batter took too long, they'd call an automatic strike. So the batter stepped out, Matt Dye stepped out. The umpire let him step out, which is a huge part of it. And they just let me do – like I stood on the mound, I finished my warm pitches and I just – wanted to make sure I soaked in the entire atmosphere. So I stood on the mound and I just looked at every single section, every single part of the stadium. And the fact that they both let me, allowed me to do that was um, something I'll be forever grateful for because it was, um, yeah, it was something special to be able to kind of really soak that atmosphere in. The shots of you almost doing a 360, looking around and soaking it in and, and I know what happened afterwards, but I'm thinking, looking back at it yesterday, how in the heck? Like, you looked reasonably emotional for a, a big, tough athlete. How you threw that first pitch, I don't know, but explain it to me now. Did you just go into game mode? Because there's one moment, you know, you've got tears in your eyes and the next you're on the mound and you've got to chuck that baseball. In one way, face iced him. In an effort to be kind. First pitch, Liam Hendricks, 96, strike one. And they're going to take that baseball out of the game, and Liam is going to take that ball and keep it for the rest of his life. Yeah, I'm a guy who runs on aggression. So I'm. I, it was really hard for me. And I luckily the, with the rehab program, like the rehab assignment I was on, yeah, I had probably seven or eight games in the minor leagues coming back from this. But the the first one was hard for me, one of my first rehab game, because – Knowing that the other team is a bunch of nice guys is really hard to pitch against for me because I like being angry. I like having any sort of <laughs> little thing like, oh, that guy's a bit of a dick or this guy snubbed me when I tried to say hello to him. Like things like that, they try and give you my give me my edge a little bit. And uh, so I was really making sure to stay aggressive. Luckily, I'd faced it and I'm facing guys I've faced before. So I know who I'm coming up against. That gives me some sort of a game plan that I know I can revert back into just my overall planning of how to pitch. And that kind of gets me back into it rather than having no idea who this guy is, but thinking he's a nice guy. So yeah, the first pitch was good. I was assuming he was going to take it, which he did. And I kept that ball. It's, um, I think it's actually one of these ones right here. <laughs> one of oh, these little cool. balls that stick it up here. So I've got the, I got the first ball. I've got the first strikeout. I've got, uh, I made sure to keep, like, I love my authenticated stuff. And the more I can keep, I prefer to keep it and not need it than, Want it, not have it. So yeah, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely. Uh, it wasn't an easy outing for me, but it was. Um, it was a good first step to get that one out of the way, and unfortunately, statistics wise, it didn't up great for me. We ended up losing that game by a couple of runs, and I ended up giving up a couple of runs, which is unfortunate. But uh, we got through it, and after that, it was good for the next few. <laughs> Well, you talk about that. You know, you, you got games under your belt, and then um, you were showing me before we started recording. Uh, you, you sent me a photo at one stage, and you looked like something out of a superhero movie with like the, the world's biggest brace on your elbow. Which I'm glad to see you haven't got on now. You've got a small scar, but um, you know these things go in threes. They say then what? Well, you, you, your elbow just was it anything to do with what you'd been through, or was it coming back, or was it just years of stress of throwing the baseball that eventually caused you to have a, a, a really serious issue with your elbow? 
I think it was all like all encompassing to be honest. It's years of abuse. It's um, it. I don't think the the treatment plans helped. I think it broke down a little bit. But to be honest, I think may, more than anything, I think it was just its time. Uh, I've been dealing with severe elbow pain the year before. I've always dealt with it. I've kind of thrown with pain for a while. I mean, it's it's always hurt to kind of brush my hair or brush my teeth or anything like that. And um, which is weird. I knew that it was already. Br- I knew that it was already gone before I came back. Yeah. Okay. Like it was. It was like. I was in so much pain while throwing that it just it really, I, I was really, really struggling to move like to the point where I'm a guy who always throws. I like to throw from boundary to boundary kind of thing. And I had stopped doing that because it just hurt too much, but I refused to not come back. And so coming back was one thing that I really kind of, I really wanted to focus on making sure I came back. And look, I knew Coming back, I was like, okay, I'm, hope, I'm hoping it's just a little bit of scar tissue. I'm hoping it's just a little bit in there that the more I throw, the, it can break free, it can loosen up, and I'll be fine again. But deep down, knowing that, look, this is this this ligament has run its course. It's been kind of I found I had a tear in 2008, and it had calcified over, and then I'd retorn a different part, and yeah, it was a whole thing. But yeah, we've got the little uh, little scar up here now. Um, so they put they took part of my groin through my knee, and that's what's in my elbow right now. <laughs> well, it's called it's such it's so so people can understand it's so re, uh, relevant for pitchers that it's called. And we talked about this before we got right on the Tommy John surgery, who was named after mm-hmm. a, a pitcher when he first got it done in the seventies. So before we talk about when you can play baseball again, mate, you were fantastic when you first came on the show about explaining to me the intricacies of baseball, but the intricacies of the business um, to the point where, you know, we discussed your contract and what was guaranteed and what was, wasn't guaranteed. So explain this to me now, mate. This, this, so this is you as a baseballer now. This is straight off the Chicago um, website. The White Sox, Chicago, declined Hendricks $15 million option for 2024, making him a free agent. Hendricks will receive $1.5 million US per year from 2024 to 33 as part of his buyout. So what's a buyout? What's a free agent for you now? And and as you explained to me when you first came on the show, the, the big thing about your, the deal that we're talking about here, it was guaranteed money, yeah? Yeah, so the way it breaks down is normally what it would be, so say like I've got a $15 million option, normally the buyout is a million or two million, right around there. And if they were like, hey, look, we don't think you're worth $15 million. we're going to give you a million to go away and you're a free agent again. Well, the way my contract worked out, it was very, they call it the NBA style. Whereas, look, we don't want to guarantee you that fourth year, but what we will do is we'll give you the money, but it saves us some the upfront cash and then we'll pay you over 10 years. Ah. So instead of paying me the 15 million in 2024 to play for them, they're paying me a million and a half to play potentially for another team for the next 10 years. So, uh, if, so if, every- if you, sorry, mate, if you go and play for someone now, which is what we hope happens, mm-hmm. do you continue to get that 1.5 no matter, no matter what you're doing professionally, whether you're playing or not, that still comes into the bank? Yep, every July first, I get a nice little uh, severance package, uh, yeah, you could okay. say. And uh, yeah, so my the the goal is now. Look, look, I'm a free agent again. I can sign with any team I want. Um, I could really, I theoretically, I could sign back with the White Sox, and they still they have to pay me twice now. Um, but so even if you yeah. go back there, they pay you your mm-hmm. old contract and then your new contract. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
That's why American sports is great. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> so what it is is like, say I got, so say like, um, like Dusty Martin. Yep. Say he signs a seven-year deal, and after year four, whoever he signed with, I'm assuming he's the Tigers. They yep. go like, "Nah, look, we're done with you." In America, he has to like they'd still pay him the same amount for the next three years. They'd still pay okay. him three years out. There's no like, okay, well, we're going to have a discussion and we'll pay you 80% if you leave right now. Uh, no, it's they have to give you all of it. Now, NBA and NFL and NHL, I believe, are all a little bit different. They have different scenarios, but Major League Baseball, as uh, for the longest time, it's always been guaranteed deals. So no matter what happens, I will get that money that, I, that we agreed upon for that contract. So... So, like, again, people need to listen to the full episode when Liam first came on because he's a very modest, unaffected man. That's what I found talking to you. But the contract we're talking about was after years of toil, you know, uh, in the region of $50 million. So it's an enormous contract we're talking about. So now, rehab, hopes, dreams, free agency, how does this all tie in for you? How does a club now... And I loved your explanations of how the system worked and it blew a lot of people away that, that listened to it. How, how do you go about playing baseball again and how, what type of route can you potentially go down? Uh, so the biggest thing with the rehab now is I have to go find my own trainers, but the White Sox have to pay for it. Okay. So uh, when they declined my option, I was actually working out at the team facility in Arizona, in Glendale. And when they declined it, then liability reasons, I wasn't allowed to go back in. <laughs> That's it. So the door's shut. They offered me to come back in for another couple of weeks until I got everything settled. But okay, okay at that point, it's like, look, it's the same thing. If you stop working somewhere, you can't really go into yep. work. You can't use that cafeteria if you don't work, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, so that was the concept for me. I've been going to a guy out here, which has uh, been fantastic for the last little bit, uh, formerly with a different couple, a couple of different teams. But... Um, as of now, I am a, as a free agent. I can kind of choose where I want to go. And there's a couple of different options of what I can do. And the one thing I can do now is I can stick with my trainer out here and rehab with him. The White Sox have to pay for it. And then I can do a showcase, say, in July or June or July. And then I can sign with the team then. What's a showcase? So a showcase would be um, I get back to being close enough to be healthy I go throw some bullpens. I go through, go through some game stuff with for teams that are in like viewing and they can give me a contract there. I can sign with a team tomorrow and do the spring training and do everything with that team. I can sign with a team tomorrow and I can stick with my train right here and then move to the team whenever I kind of spring training starts. There's a myriad of different issues, like ways I can go about it. But um, look, as of right now, I'm yeah, Tommy John Rehab. It's 12 to 15 months. It's uh, it's it's not a short rehab program. No. It's uh, six months of not throwing, and then it's a six month build up to make sure you can stress the ligament and then let it heal back up, and then stress the ligament again, and then let it heal back up. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. <laughs> so when could you potentially start throwing again for the first time? Uh, just playing catch and throwing. That would be probably mid to late January. So I had the surgery August second. And uh, what's funny enough is the surgeon who did my Tommy John had the exact same type of cancer I did, and he's been in remission for six years. Wow! So it's yeah, he's um, yeah, he and he's also one of the ones that has kind of done this new hybrid technology where it's um, not only is he throwing part of my gracilis, which is like a groin hamstring combo, into my elbow. 
He's also putting a brace in there, which almost looks like a kind of a shiny plastic shoelace that attaches to the ligament that makes it stronger. And um, he was noticing that a lot of guys these days were blowing out and then three to five years later, blowing out again. And the old ones used to be 10 years. Now it's, uh, yeah, it's moved into a different different area because the guy's throwing as hard as they do now and kind of the strain they put on everything. Does that stay in there, the shoelace? Yep. Yeah, it attached. So pretty much just like the way the body works, it's like if it's, um, as from the way he described it to me, it was the shoelace attaches in there, they strap them together and then it kind of adheres and then morphs into it so that then the shoelace becomes kind of the inner of the ligament and just strengthens everything up in there. So it's fascinating. Back to Liam in a moment. I mentioned that he appeared on the show back on episode 148. It's an episode I love for many, many reasons, but especially because, like few others, it tells the story of an athlete who was gone numerous times, finished, done, out of the sport, miles off the big leagues, but with persistence, dedication and a mountain of hard work and belief, Liam moved his career into the stratosphere. As you said, with the contract, it uh, it technically goes down as a three by fifty four, three year fifty four million because of the option, because they only count the guaranteed years and the guaranteed money. Yeah, which means that that actually went down. I didn't realize at the time, but it went down as the highest average annual value for a reliever in Major League history, which is wild to me because I was two years before, two years prior, being out of the game, like very, very close to being out of the game, and then to turn it around like that, it's. Uh, you don't do that without the support of everybody around you, between my wife, between Ruby, between my parents, between everybody that I've ever spoken to in the game that was willing to listen and the journeys that I've been through, the coaching stuff. And it's, you go back to the coaches that you had when you were juniors. It's like you, the coaches then, you, it's this journey that's a, it's a character-building journey. Like I, I had to be brought back down to earth in my own head to be able to get to where I'm at now. And that's something that I will never, ever take for granted. That's Liam back on episode 148 of the show. Let's now continue with Liam's next chapter. So coming back with what your body's been through, specifically with your elbow, do you have nights where you think, oh, shit, am I ever going to be able to do this again? Am I going to be able to throw the 98-mile-an-hour fastball? Or do you have an inner confidence thinking, no, I will play Major League Baseball again? Uh, I think there's always doubts. Uh, it's not that I don't have the drive or the mentality or anything like that. It's just, is my body going to respond the right way? Is uh, But going through some of the stuff for the PT and going through like the shadow throwing where it's like, okay, I'm going through my mechanics just lightly. He goes, no, no, you'll be fine. He goes, you're not showing any tentativeness. You're not showing anything where it's like you're trying to muscle it to be protect the ligament or anything like that. He goes, that's when people run into issues, especially with shoulder issues because – elbow surgery then you rehab everything you're doing a lot of shoulder work and then your shoulders in a different physical state from where you were that's where guys get a lot get hurt a lot but um no the uh, pt thinks he's uh he's you'll be fine um so there's that but you never really know until you get a ball in your hand and start moving um but you know look it's it's like anything it's like coming back from a hip surgery or coming back from an acl or anything like that you just look you mentally may be there but physically you just don't know but the theater, like the the studies and the science behind everything these days, I mean, it's it's top notch. And uh, the good thing is, a lot of Australian physios have uh, have reached out and 
are like are doing a lot of stuff in American sports these days. And it's just, mm. it always makes me proud to know that how much Australian sportsmen and, and physiotherapists and, and all that sort of stuff are, are being approached by these multi-billion dollar organizations over in the States about getting the top, the, the top quality kind of science and ideas. Mate, you received a couple of awards, well, numerous awards, um, just recently, um, Comeback Player of the Year in the AL and the America League, which is obviously tremendous credit to you and your family and your organisation. But, but mate, the one that got me was the Jimmy V Award at the ESPYs. Now, I, I knew I didn't know anything about Jimmy V. Um, so it's awarded to a person, a deserving member of the sporting world who has overcome great obstacles through perseverance and determination. And then named after a chap called for our audience, Jim Valvano. And the first thing I read about him, he gave an acceptance speech after receiving the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the 1993 ESPYs and it brought people to their feet. I've watched it. This is one of the great speeches when he talks about three things in life. You've got to laugh, you've got to think, and you need emotion to move you to tears. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. If we do this every day of our life, you're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so... I said it before and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you and God bless you all. I'm sure you've seen the speech. What was it then like getting up on the stage and receiving an award named after a bloke who gave... One of the great speeches I've seen, mate, to be honest. I watched it on YouTube yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you just bring it up gave me goosebumps being yeah. able to watch that and being, um, yeah, it's uh, it was something special. Not only knowing the speech but knowing the, the backstory and the fact that, I mean, he, he ended up passing away from cancer, which is unfortunate, and having an award like this named after you that uh, – uh, yeah, I mean, everything. he's got the V Foundation, which is – I mean, if you do any research on that, so that, like the amount of money they have donated, the amount of funds yeah. they've been able to acquire, I mean, you don't, that just doesn't happen for people without having some sort of substance behind them. And that's just started off from the GMV and then filtered through his family and now the organization. It's just, it's, it's really, really special. I mean, that's what's actually back here right now. I was hoping you have it there. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. So this is the Jimmy V Award, is it? This is the wow. Jimmy V Award. So uh, it's. <laughs> It's a, it's a big old thing, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was such an honor. Um, but not only that, it's like, it's an honor because of the things, the other people who have won it in the past, a lot of them are generally been, there's athletes, but there's generally broadcasters or a little bit older. So I was one of the younger ones to have, have won the award and one of the only people that doesn't really have a speaking background. And that was a daunting task because, I mean, I, as I said, Christy wrote the speech. Like, we sat down and wrote it, but she she pretty much wrote it. And I don't have the best eyesight. And it's on a, like, a, it, it's on a script. So it's on the teleprompter and I'm reading it. And 
me being the trying to engage the crowd kept losing my spot and uh it was uh it was definitely but yeah the the tidbits the the main parts got out there but um look I, yeah it was it was an unreal experience but all of that has to go to Chrissy. like right everything i've gone through this this year with everything whether it be the surgery whether it be the treatment plans whether it be the chemo whether it be coming back whether it be all of the things we've done off the field whether it be and the events and meeting up, that was all done through Christie's hard work. And that was just the straight perseverance. I mean, having a wife like that who refused to let you see her down. Um, I know you were talking about like E and the kids when you're in India thus, like during the uh, yeah, thing and was, taking yeah. care of everything while you're gone. I was there, but I wasn't there. And she was taking care of everything and not letting me see her cry. I mean, I woke up one night and she was kind of sobbing a little bit in bed. And other than that, that was the only time I saw her upset because she made sure that she wasn't going to burden me with her with her grief or anything like that. So that speech, it only really scratched the surface of what she means to me on a daily basis. She is my absolute rock. She is my world. She's the one who, any athlete out here who has a wife behind them or a, or a husband or a partner, they know that when you're doing well, you sometimes need a big kick up the ass to get, uh, to get humbled a little bit quickly. And she's that person to me. But she's also the person that'll pick you up no matter what is going on and make you know that you're, you're, the, you're the greatest that she's ever known. And to Christy, I mean, this is as much yours as it is mine. As you can tell, cancer isn't something you fight alone. Nobody fights this alone. My care team, family, and friends, they encompassed my entire heartbeat. They were my lifeline when I didn't know if I could overcome this. They are my lifeline as I continue on. So like Jimmy V said, don't give up. Don't ever give up. And I won't. Thank you. Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> oh, now yeah, you get me. Uh... <laughs> now now you've, you've taken it out, but you've, oh. you've bloody got me now. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Just dang. Yeah, it's, uh, we're only as strong as the people around us. Yeah. And I'm the strongest man around. And you're obviously a very good husband and you've got a, a, a very strong wife. Um, you're a good man, Liam Hendricks. Last one for you. The mighty kangaroos in 2024. <laughs> Is it a surge up the ladder? You've got a lot of top draft picks. I know you follow this. You message me or email me when I'm calling a kangaroos game. Is this the resurgence? Ooh, uh, I mean, I think they should take out a leaf of the AFLW book for the Kangas right now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> I had a bit of a disappointing game the other day, but um, and I was actually it was funny. I was I was thinking about this the other day because I pulled out my signed Brent Harvey jersey out of the uh, out of the closet. <laughs> when we're in Florida, kind of moving the house. That's where all like a lot of my memorabilia is, and so we're pulling it all out. I had my yeah my Brent Harvey jersey signed, and <laughs> it's um yeah it's yeah I'm, I'm really I. <laughs> I'm really hoping that this is the time we come back and turn it all around. Um, all it takes is that one little spark. I mean, you know how they, whether it be coaching, whether it be a veteran yeah. player, even even a younger player coming in with just a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more of anything else. It's um, yeah, it, it can only sometimes take that little spark, and hopefully they get that that shinbone of spirit back because that was the. Back in the back of the nineties, when you had the the Glen Archers and uh, yeah. and the Careys and the Stevens and all this sort of stuff, I mean, 
they could be out of a game and all of a sudden it took one little play or they'll pick it running through somebody to, to really <laughs> turn everything back around. <laughs> You're a good uh, man, mate. I said at the start, it's just great to see you with a smile on your face and happy and healthy. Um, I'd love to see you playing baseball again, as will everyone that listens to this, but whether that happens or not, um, I think what you've achieved in the last year away from baseball is, uh, uh, you know, it's equal to anything you have achieved um, out on the diamond, mate. So great to see you um, happy and healthy and love and hopefully we get to meet in person at some stage, mate, because we've done this twice now and you got me at the end. <laughs> you, you brought a tear to my eye, but it's just great to see you, mate. Yeah, I'm, I, there's no doubt in my mind that we'll be back on a mound, um, that there's no doubt in my mind that that will happen. Um, just the way it is, it's... Determination, determination is king. But uh, I thank you for taking the time to talk to me and, and letting me get my story out. It's, uh, I mean, Lana, I want to also thank you for your podcast through treatment. I had forty-five minute drive to the field every day. I had half-hour drives to the hospital every day, and listening to you, listening to a couple of the other ones um, like Dylan Buckley and Mason Cox and uh, Sports Bazaar. If you haven't checked that one out, I'd highly recommend that one. But um, I want to thank you for getting me through because. There was a lot of times where I was a lot of a lot of thinking and a lot of like kind of some darker times while just driving, but having your voice come through and and the happy, joyous vibe you give while giving an interview, it's um. I want to thank you because you 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 definitely will played a part in me getting through this as quick as I did. Ah shit! You got me a second time now. You got me a second. Time. <laughs> Look after yourself, Lee. You're a good man. You're a good man. Well done. Appreciate how. Liam Hendricks, there is an athlete with a platform who is using that platform for good to help others. There is a good man, a good man right there. Thank you to Liam for appearing on the show for a second time. After we finished recording, because I didn't want to ask him in the public sphere, we were discussing his next steps. And I asked him if he could choose one baseball club in America to play for, who would it be? I won't tell you who he said. That's his story to tell, but I can't wait to see which uniform he is wearing next time he is on the mound in a major league game. I look forward to seeing how his journey continues. So much love to all of you out there. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, episode 200 with Steph Catley. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try